Welcome to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. Your spirit to live 
I feel that I've been caught in the mire of self Just the time I feel my mind's been bought by worldly wealth That's when the breeze begins to blow I know the Spirit's call And all my worldly wanderings Just melt into His love soul I want to know you oh I want to know you to feel your heart and know your mind looking in your eyes stirs up within me cries that say I want to know you oh I want to know you Sensitivity to him is gone I've run the race but set my own pace And face a shattered soul Now the gentle arms of Jesus Warm my hunger to behold soul I want to know you oh I want to know you to feel your heart and know your mind looking in your eyes stirs up within me cries that say I want to know you oh I want to know you and I He 
This is Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio. Great. 
praise the Lord, ye heavens adore Him, praise Him, angels in the height. Sun and moon rejoice before Him, him. praise Him, O ye stars of light. Hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, for He has spoken, worlds His mighty voice obeyed. Laws which never shall be broken, for the guidance he hath made. Hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, for he is glorious, never shall his promise fail. God hath made us saints victorious, victorious, sin and death shall not prevail. Hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen, amen, amen. Praise the God of our salvation, host on high his power proclaim. Lord, and magnify his name. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Amen, amen.
listening to Songs of Praise. You can feel the wind blow, but there's no one who knows where it's going. And sometimes a breeze gently stirring the trees as it's blowing. That's just how it is when the spirit within starts to flow.
friends every day They find themselves Just going through the paces They hide their empty souls They're showing only happy painted faces And when the day was done When the lights are finally Through all the motions, but what was it all about? And I've had a deeper look. You never really had to choose, and is God just a story?
Listening to 3ABN Australia Radio's Songs of Praise. Because the sinless Savior died 
Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my Until some deed of greatness you may do Do not wait to shed your light afar To the many duties ever near you now be true Brighten the corner where you are Brighten the corner where you are Brighten the corner where you are Someone far from harbor you may cut across the bar Right in the corner where you are. Just above our clouded skies that you may help to clear. Let not narrow self your way depart. Though into one heart alone may fall your song of cheer. Right in the corner where you are. 
Bright in the corner, shine for Jesus where Bright in the corner, where you are. Someone far from harbor, you may guide across the bar. Bright in the corner, where you are. Here for all your talent, you may surely find a need. Here reflect the bright and morning star. Even from your humble hand the bread of life may feed. Bright in the corner where you are. Bright in the corner where you are. Bright in the corner where you are. Someone far from harbor you may guide across the bar. Bright in the corner where you are. Someone far from harbor, you may guide across the bar. Bright in the corner, bright in the corner, bright in the corner, where you are. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you
blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Praising my Savior all the day
been listening to Songs of Praise, a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, Lost and is Found Thus far in the Saviour's parable, there is no discordant note to jar the harmony of the scene of joy. But now Christ introduces another element. When the prodigal came home, the elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. This elder brother has not been sharing in his father's anxiety and watching for the one that was lost. He shares not, therefore, in the father's joy at the wanderer's return. The sounds of rejoicing kindle no gladness in his heart. He inquires of a servant the reason of the festivity, and the answer excites his jealousy. He will not go in to welcome his lost brother. The favour shown the prodigal he regards as an insult to himself. When the father comes out to remonstrate with him, the pride and malignity of his nature are revealed. He dwells upon his own life in his father's house as a round of unrequited service, and then places in mean contrast the favour shown to the son just returned. He makes it plain that his own service has been that of a servant rather than a son. When he should have found an abiding joy in his father's presence, His mind has rested upon the profit to accrue from his circumspect life. His words show that it is for this he has foregone the pleasures of sin. Now, if this brother is to share in the father's gifts, the older son counts that he himself has been wronged. He grudges his brother the favour shown him. He plainly shows that had he been in the father's place, he would not have received the prodigal. He does not even acknowledge him as a brother, but coldly speaks of him as thy son. Yet the father tenderly deals with him. Son, he says, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Through all these years of your brother's outcast life, have you not had the privilege of companionship with me? Everything that could minister to the happiness of his children were freely theirs. The son need have no question of gift or reward. All that I have is thine. You have only to believe my love and take the gift that is freely bestowed. One son had for a time cut himself off from the household 
not discerning the Father's love. But now he has returned, and the tide of joy sweeps away every disturbing thought. This thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Was the elder brother brought to see his own mean, ungrateful spirit? Did he come to see that, though his brother had done wickedly, he was his brother still? Did the elder brother repent of his jealousy and hard-heartedness? Concerning this, Christ was silent, for the parable was still enacting, and it rested with his hearers to determine what the outcome should be. By the elder son were represented the unrepenting Jews of Christ's day, and also the Pharisees in every age who look with contempt upon those whom they regard as publicans and sinners, because they themselves have not gone to great excesses in vice. They are filled with self-righteousness. Christ met these cavillers on their own ground. Like the elder son in the parable, they had enjoyed special privileges from God. They claimed to be sons in God's house, but they had the spirit of the hireling. They were working not from love, but from hope of reward. In their eyes, God was an exacting taskmaster. They saw Christ inviting publicans and sinners to receive freely the gift of His grace, the gift which the rabbis hoped to secure only by toil and penance, and they were offended. The prodigal's return, which filled the father's heart with joy, only stirred them to jealousy. In the parable, the father's remonstrance with the elder son was heaven's tender appeal to the Pharisees, All that I have is thine, not as wages, but as a gift. Like the prodigal, you can receive it only as the unmerited bestowal of the father's love. Self-righteousness not only leads men to misrepresent God, but makes them cold-hearted and critical toward their brethren. The elder son, in his selfishness and jealousy, stood ready to watch his brother, to criticize every action, and to accuse him for the least deficiency. He would detect every mistake and make the most of every wrong act. Thus he would seek to justify his own unforgiving spirit. Many today are doing the same thing. While the soul is making its very first struggles against a flood of temptations, they stand by, stubborn, self-willed, complaining, accusing. They may claim to be children of God, but they are acting out the spirit of Satan. By their attitude toward their brethren, these accusers place themselves where God cannot give them the light of His countenance. Many are constantly questioning, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? But He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Micah 6, verses 6 to 8. This is the service that God has chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7. When you see yourselves as sinners, saved only by the love of your heavenly Father, you will have tender pity for others who are suffering in sin. You will no longer meet misery and repentance with jealousy and censure. When the ice of selfishness 
is melted from your hearts. You'll be in sympathy with God and will share His joy in the saving of the lost. It is true that you claim to be a child of God, but if this claim be true, it is thy brother that was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. He is bound to you by the closest ties, for God recognizes him as a son. Deny your relationship to him, and you show that you are but a hireling in the household, not a child in the family of God. Though you will not join in the greeting to the lost, the joy will go on. The restored one will have his place by the Father's side and in the Father's work. He that is forgiven much, the same loves much. But you will be in the darkness without. For he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 1 John 4 verse 8 Spare it this year also. This chapter is based on Luke chapter 13 verses 1 to 9. Christ in his teaching linked with the warning of judgment, the invitation of mercy. The Son of Man is not come, he said, to destroy men's lives, but to save them, Luke 9, verse 56. God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, John 3, verse 17. His mission of mercy in its relation to God's justice and judgment is illustrated in the parable of the barren fig tree. Christ had been warning the people of the coming of the kingdom of God, and he had sharply rebuked their ignorance and indifference. The signs in the sky, which foretold the weather, they were quick to read, but the signs of the times, which so clearly pointed to his mission, were not discerned. But men were as ready then as men are now to conclude that they themselves are the favourites of heaven and that the message of reproof is meant for another. The hearers told Jesus of an event which had just caused great excitement. Some of the measures of Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea, had given offence to the people. There had been a popular tumult in Jerusalem, and Pilate had attempted to quell this by violence. On one occasion his soldiers had even invaded the precincts of the temple and had cut down some Galilean pilgrims in the very act of slaying their sacrifices. The Jews regarded calamity as a judgment on account of the sufferer's sin, and those who told of this act of violence did so with secret satisfaction. In their view, their own good fortune proved them to be much better, and therefore more favoured by God than were these Galileans. They expected to hear from Jesus words of condemnation for these men, who, they doubted not, richly deserved their punishment. The disciples of Christ did not venture to express their ideas until they had heard the opinion of their master. He had given them pointed lessons in reference to judging other men's characters and measuring retribution according to their finite judgment. Yet they looked for Christ to denounce these men as sinners above others. Great was their surprise at his answer. Turning to the multitude, the Saviour said, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. These startling calamities were designed to lead them to humble their hearts and to repent of their sins. The storm of vengeance was gathering, which was soon to burst upon all who had not found a refuge in Christ. As Jesus talked with the disciples and the multitude, 
he looked forward with prophetic glance and saw Jerusalem besieged with armies. He heard the tramp of the aliens marching against the chosen city and saw the thousands upon thousands perishing in the siege. Many of the Jews were, like those Galileans, slain in the temple courts in the very act of offering sacrifice. The calamities that had fallen upon individuals were warnings from God to a nation equally guilty. Except ye repent, said Jesus, ye shall all likewise perish. For a little time the day of probation lingered for them. There was still time for them to know the things that belonged to their peace. A certain man, he continued, had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? Christ's hearers could not misunderstand the application of his words. David had sung of Israel as the vine brought out of Egypt. Isaiah had written, The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. Isaiah 5 verse 7. The generation to whom the Saviour had come were represented by the fig tree in the Lord's vineyard, within the circle of his special care and blessing. God's purpose toward his people and the glorious possibilities before them had been set forth in the beautiful words that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Isaiah 61 verse 3. The dying Jacob, under the spirit of inspiration, had said of his beloved son, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the wall. And he said, The God of thy father shall help thee. The Almighty shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under. Genesis 49, verses 22 and 25. So God had planted Israel as a goodly vine by the wells of life. He had made his vineyard in a very fruitful hill. He had fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine. Isaiah 5 verses 1 and 2. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. Isaiah 5 verse 2. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. you enjoy the short presentation of how God led his people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. In 1852, James White wrote an article in the Review and Herald suggesting that some of the believers in New England consider moving out west to Iowa. 
This was before the tithing system and systematic benevolence, so they would have to do self-supporting work and witness to their neighbors. Ellen White also said that where there had been one convert in the East, there will be 20 in the West. Jay and Andrews and his family spoke it over, and along with Cyprian Stevens and his family, and Jay and Loughborough and his wife, they decided to relocate out West. In total, around 30 believers from New England moved out West to the small town of Walken, Iowa. However, it wasn't long before the new believers found that day-to-day -day living was so hard and took so much of their energy that they didn't have much left to share their faith with their neighbors. Ellen White was shown that the believers in Walken, Iowa needed her encouragement and counsel as they were faltering in their original task. The area was sparsely populated and on top of that, it was a particularly harsh winter which made traveling around difficult. When the weather moderated, John Loughborough went and bought some carpentry tools and went to work. James and Ellen made the journey west to Iowa in the wintertime by horse-drawn sled, and standing in their path on the journey was the Mississippi River. However, by the time they reached, the ice had melted some, and the falling snow had turned to falling rain, and there was 12 inches of water on top of the mushy ice. As they approached the river, their driver, Josiah Hart, asked, is it forward to Iowa or back to Illinois? The answer was given, go forward, trusting in Israel's God. As they made their way across, sinking into the slushy, mushy ice, a small crowd had gathered on the other side and cheered as they reached Iowa. They continued their journey on to Walkon. Ellen White would find J.N. Loughborough and Hosea Mead working on a store. They found out that she was there and they came to see her. Her first words were, what doest thou here, Elijah? Receiving no response, she asked again and then a third time. Loughborough understandably was embarrassed, not knowing what to say. That night, meetings commenced and the believers were greatly encouraged by the ministry of the Whites. Both J.N. Loughborough and J.N. Andrews renewed their commitment to service and to God. J.N. Loughborough said, I have laid up my hammer and driven my last nail. J.N. Loughborough would return with the Whites to Michigan, while J.N. Andrews would stay there for two years longer. Loughborough himself was a convert of Andrews and would go on to be a powerful missionary for the church. Unfortunately, soon after this, his wife died in childbirth, giving birth to twins. Herself and one of the twins did not make it. They had been married for over 16 years and she was a tremendous support to her husband, never holding him back in his ministry at all. She had supported him faithfully along all his travels and his relentlessly busy schedule. J.N. Loughborough was also a pioneer missionary here in California and would also spend time in the United Kingdom helping to establish the church there in the city of Southampton. I wonder what would have happened if James and Ellen White didn't make that treacherous journey in winter out to Walken, Iowa. Sometimes in life we start out on a project, but then we get discouraged and we stop. 
maybe like J.N. Loughborough and J.N. Andrews, you have been successful in ministry, but then you've stepped away for a while and you need to get your life back on track. I want to encourage you to get your life in harmony with God's plan for it. And if that involves making some tough and awkward decisions, that you would have the courage and the boldness to do so. For more episodes in the series, visit lineagejourney.com.